Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, Fax Loco and Chris Miggs. Woo! Good to be here. We survived, I survived going to a place where there were bars on St. Patrick's Day to see GCW, and I'm very happy that I, I survived. And and he's using the singular because I didn't make it. We can talk about that when we talk about the show. But I, I'm glad to see, Chris, that you are in much better shape than the satellite feed from Fight Plus for that show. <laughs> yeah, the, oh. the satellite feed had been drinking. That is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was the very... satellite field got its Irish on. Yeah. Oh, of of course. Yeah, a lot of people had gotten their Irish on in that place, um, including some new Kiss friends. Me, Tom my and signal's I made. been interrupted. <laughs> But, you know, you can tell that and, you know, spoilers, if anybody's listening to this podcast that hasn't seen the big GCW show and has stayed off the internet, probably pause the podcast. You probably want to do that. You probably want to watch the main event, at least, if not the whole show before you listen to this. But I will, I'm going to throw, and I'm going to reuse a joke I put on our text thread, but I thought it was a great joke, is, is there anything that's more St. Patty's Day in New York City than seeing a Russian lady choke out next con? Uh, you guys uh you had you talked quite a bit in the the text thread about it actually spoiled the match for me you assholes welcome to my world you just assumed you were watching like garrett it's it's a gcw show what were you what were you doing that was more important it's, it's it's also i feel like our thread with just us uh now just the three of us um is it's understood that that's a you don't look at the thread if there's a big wrestling show in and, and you don't want to be spoiled. It's just it's just kind of under. I would say for Dynamite or something like that, like a normal weekly show, I think that we play like no spoilers for 48 hours. But for mm-hmm. big shows, and this was definitely a big GCW show. Yeah, it, it was my fault. That's why I wasn't angry at you guys. I said assholes, but I said it lovingly. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Something came up. I wasn't able to watch live. I, I did watch the entire show, though, later. Uh, Except which, for what the satellite feed wouldn't let you watch. Because most we, of the Gringo Loco match was just too hot for TV, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> there were there was too much nudity for Fight TV or Fight, Fight Plus. Well, let's just hang so cr- one ball for most let, of the match. Let, let's go there. Because so earlier in the day, I get a text from Fax that says, hey. I don't think I can make it tonight. I'm feeling kind of under the weather and I'm, you know, I just got a lot of work and it's okay. We understand. He graciously gave his ticket to our friend, Tom, um, El Ejo del Bill Kazmaier. And then it did hit me when, when well, the show got, did sell out. Right. So that's the other thing sell out. is, is Tom was like, Oh, I went to buy a ticket and it sold out. So that was one of those things like, if nobody was going to take my ticket, I probably would have just showed up late and like dragged myself there. But since I had a, a friend that would have enjoyed it that needed the ticket, I was like, all right. And then I, I did end up working though straight until like 40 minutes into the show. He says that, but he was <laughs> nowhere to be seen during the Gringo Loco match. <laughs> and then, and then, and then for some reason it says, Oh, I, the feed broke out. Can't talk about the Gringo Loco match because he would give away if he talked about it that he was the one in the ring with Bandito. I those You're sunglasses, be... those sunglasses that I, I mean, Gringo Loco wears are actually like smart glasses on the inside that can keep iMessage threads going. 
you're going to be the guy that at some point, you know, it's like a, a comedy of doors, like in a Frasier Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> and you come back out and one dread remains on your head. <laughs> as you like, you're like, what's that fax? And you just quickly pull it out. You're like, nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Or what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to do like what Zach Galifianakis did on his first SNL hosting where just Gringo goes out and wrestles and then I'm going to run to the back fully cleanly shave and then come out and be like, look, guys, I'm cleanly shaven. Clearly different person. <laughs> I thought it was very impressive that Bandito was able to just bench press you. To do the, yes. the gorilla press of you. That that like I don't know how much you weigh, but it it seems to be more than Bandito. And he is deceptively strong. I mean, Jim Ross, right, has called him the the strongest pound for pound guy. And and I don't think he's wrong, because Bandito he does this type like this is kind of his shtick now. He cause he did this in Ring of Honor too, where he would always pick up very large men. And uh, didn't he hold Jericho like one arm over his head? Yeah. What the fuck? Bandito fucking rules. Why isn't he on my TV more? Well, I think he signed, right? Didn't I think he, he, he signed, signed like a AEW. Yeah, he has a full contract. So I, I, I'm assuming that like he had other commitments that are kind of dying down. But I, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more of him on AEW television and Ring of Honor, whatever you call it, moving forward. We'd hope. Well, he was good. Chris, that match was good. That's what I wanted to ask because mm. basically a big move would be on the cusp of setting up and you're like, oh, fuck, this is going to rule. And then the signal would cut out <laughs> for about 10 seconds. And then when the signal, like the feed would come back and the crowd would be going apeshit. And it's just like both <laughs> guys were covering on the mat of like the, like trying to like do that. Like, oh, I got to get back up. And that was the only, to be clear, like, that was the only, like, there were a couple other issues that, like, clearly the camera guy did car bombs right before that match. Because the rest of the thing, like, there'd be little cutouts here and there, but that was the only match that was basically made completely unwatchable. You know, maybe not totally unwatchable, but it was, you knew it was a banger, and, like, you just got frustrated watching it at home, because you you couldn't see the good stuff. Right. I would say it was, I mean, it was very good. I wouldn't say it was like a, you guys missed a classic, but I very much enjoyed myself watching the match, which I felt like was kind of a running theme. Um, we were talking about sort of like expectations for the show. And I like walked out of there going like, there was, I had a great time. There was nothing that was bad. It was just straight good wrestling for three and a half hours, essentially. But I will say other than the, the main event, which is going to be memorable for a very specific reason. Um, I don't know if anything will like, if any of those matches are like my standouts of the year or anything like that, they were all just good. Well, and, and that's why I think I was a little underwhelmed was honestly my reaction. Cause I feel like that card on paper looked like an absolute blow away. Like honestly, one of the better GCW cards ever on paper in my mind. And it, it didn't, like, and I was kind of like, oh, th this is them making up for Hammerstein, that that card that, like, they had this chance to make the, the greatest card ever, and they kind of flubbed it. And this one, like, the, the card, like, guys showed up. It wasn't like they didn't deliver the matches they promised or anything. Um, it's just they all kind of felt a little too short. Maybe they packed a little bit too much in. And then in particular, my recurring theme 
is that a lot of the finishes felt really flat and generic to me. Um, which I don't, that's not something I associate with GCW. GCW normally, there's so many great spots that, and they, they do try to really stick the landing because they know, Hey, if you're going to have these back and forth and I didn't feel like we had a lot of back and forth violence with big finishes, which is what I like out of my GCW, whether it's the more technical side or the more violent hardcore side. I think because that was kind of the theme of what was going on in the text thread as I wasn't watching it. Like Mm -hmm. I think you helped manage my expectations of the show and Mm -hmm. I had a great fucking time watching it. I think because you, I think you made it seem like it was a little worse than it was. And maybe, maybe, but I, I guess the thing is like, I would say Tony Deppin and Willie Mack was the only match I would say that, over delivered my expectations and that was the thing is i don't think there was any anything that was a dud or anything like that it's just almost in my mind it was like every single match was just a little bit less than what i was hoping well and i think chris will be able to to say this but to me this just this maybe it didn't play as well on tv but i think if you were there this would have been an excellent night at the matches like this oh, seems sure you would walk away happy with what you got for the live crowd. Yeah. I mean, despite the fact that the place was like wildly oversold to the point where like Tom and I walked in, it was probably 10 to eight and people came in afterwards. I mean, we were not the last people to get there or anything like that, but we were basically in like the back corner. We were first, we were in the back corner by the door because our friend, one of our friends, Andrew was saying, oh, I'm at the bar. And I'm like, there's no way we're getting over to the bar. Like, there's just a wall of people and that's just not going to happen. Um, so we were the down. The bar side looked so full on TV. Like, it looked yeah. uncomfortable to watch from that side. Like, it, I, when you told me it was oversold, I believed you and it was visible on television that well it was over- and, yeah. and and that's what i'm saying is especially for someone like like me and and because garrett i think you've been to a show there but like i've been to a bunch of shows there so like i know how narrow that space is and then i'm like it looks bigger on tv but this is where like even on the screen it looked super cramped and i'm like oh yeah that's like three or four people in the space that normally one person would occupy yeah it was so we at first, we tried to go upstairs. There's a balcony. And so the, the room probably wasn't oversold from, like, a legal capacity perspective. But this is always a problem at places with, like, balconies. Like, when Terminal 5, when they did the ROH shows there, used to be the worst for this. But, you know, you couldn't – there was, like, a seated row in the balcony, but and you could stand behind them. But if you weren't the first people right behind them, you weren't going to be able to see anything. And if you were behind, like, any of the set and the cameras, you couldn't really see anything. So – it was there was a lot of space in the upstairs bar, but there was not a lot of usable space in the upstairs bar. Um, so yeah, so we were down on that side first. Then we came down from the bar and we were over on the corner where you could see on the hard cam, but way off to the side, like over by where the door was. To the point that when we like bailed for a second because it was getting kind of hot, um, people kept thinking that we were the people that would tell them where the bathroom was during intermission everyone just is like hey which way is the bathroom like um aren't you gonna tip first no one did no can i interject for just one second Mm -hmm. uh so last time we recorded i was after the show heading to go see uh yola tango for the second night in a row Mm -hmm. and i got there way later than i intended the place was so packed 
But with Basement East, if you exit out a door, you can walk around the entire outside of the building and come through on the opposite side of the building where a lot of people don't know you can even stand. It's normally where the wrestlers, for the wrestling shows, it would be their dressing room and like where merch is sold. And they had some VIP seating, but nobody guarding any of it. I grabbed an unoccupied chair and sat it directly next to the exit. And the rest of the night, I guess just got, got white guy with beard and a jean jacket looks like he works at a rock venue, yeah. especially if he's sitting by the exit. To, to be the fair, rest- Garrett, the way I describe you to people that don't know you is just imagine a guy that, that works at a rock venue and <laughs> or um, works at a vintage VHS rental store that somehow <laughs> is still able to be in business in Brooklyn in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I got your uh, your tapes. I got your Toxic Avengers. I got your. You want your, porn? Uh, you want wrestling? That's all we have. <laughs> you want porn? porn you want wrestling? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but every section is hardcore. Let's be clear about that. It's all hardcore. Your heart rate's gonna be raised no matter what tape you grab. It's gonna be. A, it's an experience. Wait, let me let me ask my boss if we got that. Hey, Rob Black! Hey, Rob Black, my boss, who has all the porn and wrestling. Do we got Power Rangers the movie? <laughs> we got the hairless cut. Now, do you want Masha Slamovich the wrestler? Or do you want Masha Slammer in the Pussovich the porn star? <laughs> Because you just said, I want Masha, and I don't know which one. <laughs> Very different ladies, different skill sets. It's right next to American Cheeseburger, guys. If you need VHS tapes, Rob Black's got them right next to American Cheeseburger. <laughs> Look in the front counter. Use promo code uh, predetermined to get 15% off your tapes. And some special uh, glow-in-the-dark rubbers. <laughs> so i'm sitting in this chair by the exit and people keep coming over and asking me venue rules of the venue like am i allowed to be in this section and if like somebody seemed like kind of a dick it was like no this is a special section man sorry you got to go into the beat like in there Mm. uh and at one point somebody came and stood directly in front of me and i used the words hey we got to keep this area clear (laughs) (laughs) and had an unobstructed view the entire night uh so apologies to the staff at basement east um apologies to the owner of my favorite record store who also owns basement east i took over for the night and uh, i i liked it why apologies you're a good customer and it sounds like you did a good job defending that section yeah i I didn't hear any complaints right it sounds like people uh, appreciated the authority you took some people would be like, can I be over here? Like, Absolutely. Here's some stools. And then would get them a stool off the wall mm-hmm. <laughs> and hand it to them. Like, yes. I, I really managed that section well. I'm sorry. Back to <laughs> back to, to New York. I well speaking, I, I did and I did uh give directions to what we later realized was Master Slamovich's dad. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Uh Russian? <laughs> no, did not seem it. Did not seem it. <laughs> So wait, and I know we're we're in typical predetermined fat, just jumping all over this show. But I, I got us since you brought up her dad, and obviously, 
um, the, the, de- the parents kind of come out and are on TV during this and in the ring for those, like those two definitely still fuck. Right. Like, like, did anyone else get that vibe? <laughs> Masha Slamovich's no! parents. Oh yeah. I definitely was like that dad. He had the, the t-shirt, t- uh, tucked into the cargo camo pants that's just the look of like a 60 year old man that still gets it so he just doesn't care about anything else what's in the what's in the uh, other cargo pocket well i just visited garrett's vhs shop and i've got a whole pocket full of glow-in-the-dark rubbers (laughs) please mrs slammer pusses my mom (laughs) oh Yeah, it was. uh, was I'm pretty sure this is a character we're going to be coming back to (laughs) in the future. (laughs) Um, But so, as I guess, were there any matches? I mean, I'll I'll agree with you, Fax, that Deppin versus Willie Mack was the first match that really like exceeded expectation. That was a really, really great match. Um, Tom and I were trying to figure out. Tony Deppin apparently does help run a brewery. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to figure out how we could go visit the brewery and make sure he could give us a beer tour without um, seeming like giant creeps. Mm. Hey, mm. Um, we're coming for a, a tour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there one of your employees who will definitely be there and can give us that brewery tour? <laughs> no reason. Uh, just specifically him. Uh, <laughs> we don't want we don't want to talk about Jordan Oliver wrestling for uh, two hours. That's not that's not something we want to discuss with this person. Isn't he? Am I wrong? Is he part owner of this place? Maybe. I, it seems. I thought plausible. he like was part owner based on the way he talked about it on Twitter. Yeah, so, but is I it mean, maybe? Is it maybe the way that we might become part owners of Zencaster? Maybe is that is that <laughs> thing? He actually doesn't own anything. He's just they can't get him to stop being behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought that match was was pretty great. What were you were you going to ask? Like, did anything else stand out from home? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was an interesting. Again, I thought it was the the, um, the Mexicans, Macisos against Rena and uh, Sawyer Wreck. I thought was pretty good. Again, yeah, I really wanted blood there. That was a, a tough. But, I mean, it was yeah, really good. That, I think that that was the one that like. And especially they did like the show of respect thing afterwards. And I'm like, it felt like that was just a little bit shy of like where it would have been a bigger deal. Although I do feel like the other tag match, like the eight, was it eight person tag, right? Four teams, I think. It was four six teams. or eight. Yeah. Who was against one... main event versus the wasted youth versus SGC. And again, that one, like when it was hitting high gear was, was really fun as you knew it was going to be, but it just, it just felt too short to me. Like just, they're just, it just didn't keep that prolonged for enough for me. And I think that one was probably the biggest, just, it just ended like literally there's it a guy the in the shortest front row match on the card, which is insane. Right. When you have four really good teams and maybe they were running behind. Cause it, it was, was that I think third to last. I was right after off. intermission. Okay. So well, that's after- what I was wondering if they had a hard out, or so, what time did the show they were end they were through? cruising that was the thing is i remember they got to intermission and i'm like wow they are cruising here pacing because yeah. nick gage didn't even mosh for his entrance like he would he walked straight into the ring and the match just like they got to the entrance. and wait and can we just talk about nick gage i really hate the recorded like nick fucking gage nick fucking gage before they play metallica like the fans will do it for you 
it's not like we're at the point where we need canned heat for Nick Gage. It just feels Are so you sure. I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure, particularly non-world champion Nick Gage. I'm fans in New York certainly are, are still going to give the Nick fucking Gage entrance when Metallica hits. From my couch, the main event sounded very quiet for Nick Gage. Like he even said, even a few people won't cheer me at one point while he was on the mic. Well, he did get a, a couple of boos because they do announce him from New Jersey, and that that's got that gets some boos. Janela pointed that out too. He's like, ah, you people. <laughs> of course, it's not about New York and New Jersey. It's like it is about New York, New Jersey, Joey. We love you, but fuck well, Jersey. and especially because Masha's New York, right? And they were playing that very much front of mind of like this is Masha's hometown crowd, not Nick Gage's hometown crowd. So I think that's more what that was about. I will well, say a couple the build- of notes from the uh, from um, crowd interactions here. Uh, Matt Cardona beat Homicide, right? Which I thought was a fine match. I didn't have a great view for that. I one, thought but. that was hot dog shit, but like you kind of thought maybe you know it's a cardona matches you you have two types of cardona matches and this was the dog shit type as opposed to the wow cardona actually took a bump type yeah no this was kind of a a a ho-hum little match but i will note our friend andrew in the building said he did lock eyes with persia parada steph delander before and um if you're listening to this steph he is willing to be your ring rat he said they had a very long um eye contact and he is he is up you know whatever you need whenever you're in new york he's he's ready to do it he's a he's a tall handsome man very physically fit from the looks of it um another type that it like even though i know him and i've known him for a while whenever i see him at a show i assume he's one of the bouncers he just looks like (laughs) a bouncer at a rock slash wrestling venue uh, the other note from from that four way. So after the match, Mansur. So th- during the second half of the show, some people had very unsmartly abandoned their spots directly behind the sitting people in the balcony, and uh, Tom and I stole those. Nice. And um, <laughs> so we were there, and we realized midway through uh, the uh, Gringo Loco uh, Bandito match that that Mansur was just right behind us. Um, and so we get to tell Mansa his hair is looking great. And I don't know, did anyone else notice how nice and full Mansa's hair is looking? Yes. Um, he said yeah. once he now once he's learned he can grow it, he can't shave it again. I don't know what that means. I don't know why he couldn't do it. But Tom and I did have a theory as to why Mansur is growing the hair. Please. And it's that uh Mansur is teaching AP history in high school now. <laughs> because if you <laughs> take that hair and you put like a cardigan and like a white button down on him that's a that's a teacher and our assumption is that he is teaching ap history covering critical race theory through the lens of memphis wrestling history it's just all wow that's how that's how he's teaching critical race theory and just like all right gang today we're gonna be learning about sputnik monroe and we're gonna be uh we're gonna be talking about how he desegregated wrestling in Memphis because he wanted to make more money. See, that's the thing. It's not, I mean, Sputnik's a good guy. He did a lot of great things, but also popping the house, making sure that you you're, you're bringing the, gotta, gotta bring in the money for the promoter. So it's really the advances in race in this country are both about, you know, people wanting to move things forward, but also about how it can feed capitalism. Well, <laughs> see, the thing though, is that the one hole in that, is he's from Bucksnort, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where Bucksnort is, but I know it's not 
um, Nashville. Therefore, I'm guessing that that's a little bit too positive a take on race relations for the state of Tennessee in 2023. I mean, I, I would say I think AP had... history is probably going to be more focused on um, the South will rise again. I didn't say Mansur's classes is, is complaint free facts. Okay. <laughs> He's struggling. He's struggling. <laughs> Why do you think he needs that light beer every weekend? <laughs> and then I also just picture Jimmy Lloyd in the back row, 25 year old Jimmy Lloyd still doesn't have a high school degree. Just kind of sweating of just being like, don't, don't call on me, Mansur. Don't call on me, Mansur. Don't call on me, Mansur. Just has like a barbed wire piece of wood by the side to hit the teacher with if he gets called on you know i didn't read last night i know jimmy and that's why i called on you to te- to set an example he, For reference, like, come over and sit on my lap you see jimmy <laughs> sometimes you got to learn about history to prevent it happening in the future <laughs> he tutors he tutors him at every gcw show and it's still- I'm, now, I'm now i'm now imagining him as like the atticus finch to jimmy lloyd <laughs> Um, for reference, by the way, Buck Snort only an hour outside Nashville. That's still red. That's still oh, red. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most of Nashville is red. Let's be clear. Um, yeah. I didn't. I actually didn't realize Buck Snort was a real place. I just sort of assumed it was something that uh, Robert Fuller and Bunkhouse Buck had made up. I always thought when I was a kid, I thought Cobb County, Georgia was made up. Mm-hmm. I was just like, there's not a place called Cobb County, Georgia. That's just where you'd think the big boss man would be from. Right. Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, same deal. I mean, a lot of our geography we've learned from pro wrestling. Yeah, that's true. It's sports no, and pro wrestling. People really do ask themselves, like, how do you know about this city? And I'm like, I just know it's a place that exists because wrestling took place there. Like, I would yeah. read the results in the back of PWI, and thus I am aware of the existence of Terre Haute, Indiana. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about Terre Haute, Indiana, but I know it's a place, and I'm pretty sure a Saturday Night's main event took place there once. Well, and again, and, and we also know that the relative magnitude of this place by the kind of cards that happened there. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, a Saturday night's main event in like 88. That was probably a pretty decent house. You know, they, they must have some people there. Right. Not a ton, but some, you know. Yeah. I mean, Hogan did main event. So, it, it, you know. Yeah. Um, but should we, I mean, I guess I, I, the one other thing we should talk about before we get to the main event. Um other than the really spectacular reefer holding Grim Reefer did. I mean, really just top flight stuff in this match. Um, really just top flight stuff. Wait, and did, did Doe Janela turn face? Because he did the thing, like, where he was giving props to Reefer after the match, which, you know, he can do with, like, you know, there's always that kind of third wall breaking, fourth wall breaking, whatever you want to call it. But then, like, he did, like, the baby face chase off afterwards, where it's like, I was really digging heel heel Janela again. I, I kind of hope this isn't a face turn. I mean, yeah. I hope he's just turning further against Grim Reefer. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't want to see Janela against like Charles Mason or something like that. That doesn't sound no. I, I did. Did you catch though that he w- w- the weird implication where he's like, "How many kids you got at home, Reefer?" And Reefer's like, yeah. two. We might have one more coming." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, wife's watching I, joey she's not supposed to know about the rats in deep jersey um <laughs> the extra family <laughs> it's weak um and then also, jimmy lloyd was just watching in the back he goes dad 
Oh my! Really? Are I'll you the? I thought it was De Niro, but are you my dad? <laughs> Reef is like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, kid. Uh, it's uh, you'd be Did much I... better looking. You'd be much better looking. <laughs> I Jimmy Lloyd's dad is Jimmy Lloyd's dad's actually another famous actor who is currently in a movie, and that is a cocaine bear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other note I want to make, so the, the match right before the main event was time splitters against Jordan Oliver and Mike Bailey. And, um, there was a guy standing next to, to Tom and I that, um, man, he really had a good time yelling at Jordan Oliver and he's my best friend now. (laughs) We, we were going, we were, we were going back and forth discussing because he was like, he was like, Newberg sucks. You suck. And Newberg sucks. And Tom was, was the like, guy hey. next to you, Tom. <laughs> no, Tom next to him is like, there's a pretty good brewery there, though. And the guy's like, I don't think I'm going to go there, though, because it sucks. And he's like, but that's thanks for letting us know. <laughs> so you're in the middle and Tom and this other guy are just like shouting this at, at shouting their conversation at Jordan Oliver. <laughs> and it's also just like Jordan Oliver would like do something and he would go, you still suck. I just wouldn't see them going like deeper into it if the match went long of like, yeah, that brewery is pretty solid. You would have split an Uber there afterwards. I don't know. It's St. Patty's Day. It's getting pretty late. They might be pretty sloppy over there. (laughs) You know, just, okay, well, I mean, do you want to come over to my house instead? I've got a couple beers. My wife can heat some up a casserole. Um, but I thought I thought that was a I thought that was a good match. I, I enjoyed that. I except again that Jordan Oliver tried to do a double figure uh, uh, Boston Crab that did not he look did. good. It was an interesting idea, but yeah. I liked when he got uh, Kushida in the crab, and then Mike Bailey he was on his stomach, and Bailey stood in front of him and did the backflip with the knees into mm. Kushida's back. I thought that was a pretty good double team move. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a good match on the whole. I, I mean, I we again I, we mocked we mocked Jordan Oliver. Um, but we enjoyed we enjoyed the match. It was good. Yeah, and I, I, I do have to say though, during just even the entrances of that one, because that's one like I literally again this card was so stacked. I actually forgot about that match, even though it was arguably the one I was most excited for when it was announced, even despite Mike Bailey being in it. Um, and then when when Kushida comes out, it just has there been a guy whose stock has dropped more precipitously than Kushida <laughs> in the last couple of years. Like it's at the point no. where like, yeah, it's really like. You could say whatever you want about anybody else, but like that's one one sign of like, yeah, maybe maybe don't just sign with WWE first chance you get. Yeah, things did not go well for him. Um, and then apparently, I, I saw something that he like decided he wanted to stay in America for a bit, which is why they're using him on these like New Japan US shows. But then he got like hand, foot, and mouth disease last year, and thus he his hey, got, so did I got his spot. And- but did no did Master Wato take your spot at anything though? <laughs> He took his job. He took his fucking job. Master, Master Watto. Watto. He got yeah. Wally pipped by uh by Master Watto. Also, that was the first time that uh people, listeners of the show know that that's what you had last year. Oh, I never actually said it out loud. I just No, we never uh, said it. Oh, yeah. I I as a, a middle-aged man nearly got a disease that apparently me, Kushida, and small infants get. 
Only people whose favorite movie is Back to the Future get it. So I think the rest of us are fine. It's a great movie. Just not my favorite. I'll get it again if that's what it takes. <laughs> I will also say, so right before the main event, um, someone comes over to Tom and asks him, hey, man, are you what we thought was Grim Stoico? Now, we thought this was Grim Stoico because that is the second time I've been with Tom at a wrestling thing and been asked if Tom was this person. Um, the first time was by Cody Rhodes at a cigar bar before ROH Final Battle 2018. So we all may remember that Cody and uh, Frankie Kazarian were doing these cigar meet and greet things. And they yeah. did one at this cigar bar in, in New York. And uh, Tom and I went and we're having a good time. We took a picture with them and joined some scotch and a cigar and whatever. And Cody comes over to our table and he says, hey, man. I, I just want to say I'm sorry. And Tom's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I, you know, at first when I saw you, I thought you were this guy, Grim Stoico. And so I was probably a little like cold to you because I, that guy, he's kind of weird and kind of a dick, but I realized you're not that guy. Um, so sorry about that. By the way, here's, here's a token I have for an extra app. And I was like, mm, what can we say? We are, uh, ordered some dumplings on Cody. Um, <laughs> And so, so this Wait, is the who second is Grim Stoico. So we we always heard it as Grim. Sto we tried to Google this person. We couldn't find him. Like, I mean, this has been an ongoing joke for us since 2018, right? That like Tom is going to be is is this leads a double life as Grim Stoico, whoever this is, right? And so this guy comes up to Tom right before the main event, and it seems he's like, "Hey, are you?" We think Grim Stoico, and he's like, no. And he, like, the guy's very offended. He thinks Tom is big timing him, and he's like, oh, oh, I see. You don't have time for your fans. I get it. I get it, kind of thing. And um, but somehow but this Tom is like a wrestling personality, not um, like the shortstop for the Mets. Like, who are we talking? <laughs> well, no, and that's when Tom finally he's like, oh, wait a minute. He heard it, and he starts the Grim's Toy Show. <laughs> Which is a very easily Googleable thing. And admittedly, the guy Grimm does look a lot like Tom. A lot like Tom. And has and has dabbled in some like there's pictures of him in singlets. And by the way, real Tom, easy to find pictures of him in singlets. Mm -hmm. So like even I was questioning when I looked this up in Google, I'm like, I think Tom might have been lying to me for years. I think he might be the same person. And he is big timing us. It really sucks, though, to for people to think you're the toy toy boy when you're the strongest man on the East Coast. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And also to be to be thought that I mean, if Cody doesn't like you, I don't know what this guy did to Cody. He's it sounded like he was maybe a hanger on type, nothing too bad or anything. But uh, Garrett, you said you did some Googling about Grim Grimm's toy show. I did, and I had seen this guy before. I know him as, like, a very annoying internet wrestling personality. Um, mm -hmm. But I looked. He has, like, 250,000 followers on, like, YouTube subscribers. Oh, wow. And as I Googled and I saw the picture, I was like, oh, I've seen this fucking pud before. But then under, you know, like, Google gives you the most commonly searched things about what you've just googled the very first one is why did Grimm's toy show get divorced 
I and saw I that like, too. That was my Google autocomplete when I wrote in Grimm's Toy Show. It's a Grimm's Toy Show divorce was the first so thing I that came clicked up. on it. And it said it didn't give me the reason for the divorce, but Small it did penis. tell me. I guess I'll say allegedly with all this because this is what Google told me and I don't want to get in trouble. But it said that Grimm and his wife, who I guess she was part of his toy show uh, and was named Heel Wife, who was the heel wife who hated wrestling and didn't like that he was devoting so much of his life to it, which, I mean, my wife is a fucking godsend that she puts up with all this shit but that that being said like she does hate most of this um sure but it seemed like it was character work within his vlog or whatever the fuck he did but it said that there was some sort of dispute Grimm started living in their basement as they were in the process of getting divorced got an alcohol problem and destroyed the basement and is now <laughs> legally not allowed in his wife's basement anymore so that is what came up. The first well, search was just about this man destroying a bit. So Tom, when people come like, are you grim? Are you that guy that destroyed his wife's basement? <laughs> well, you know, and he should have learned from pro wrestling, right? You never write an angle where your wife or girlfriend is, you know, unless you want it to happen in real life. Cause it always does. But what I'm curious about here is how did he destroy the basement? <laughs> Like it, I have a drunkle that likes to burn things when he gets really drunk. So maybe did he just start burning things? And they're like, I'm assuming this is like an old disheveled, like cement basement. So like the fire just stayed downstairs and didn't get to the main house. I think it has to do with, because, you know, obviously he had plenty of followers, so I'm sure he got to do press at things. He probably showed up to like a magic Mike two press junket. <laughs> and when he got to Kevin Nash, Kevin was like, no, 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 I'm not talking to Grim. Fuck Grim. Cody told me about Grim. This guy's a pud. He broke, he beat up his basement, not talking to him. And then he tried to set his Kevin Nash action figure collection on fire. And mm. there goes the basement. I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to learn more details on this. This is um I I think it was even just simpler that it had actually nothing to do with his wife. It was kind of similar to what Ga- what Garrett was saying, but like it was even for like a smaller indie show recently and he just was like going to go up to there was actually uh Kazarian was hosting another cigar thing and you know sometimes other wrestlers show up and Cardona showed up and Grim just went over and is just like kind of just sidled in. Like, was trying to make it, like, so that when people walked by, they'd be like, oh, Grimm's Toy Show is hanging out with Matt Cardona. That makes sense. And then Cardona noticed and, like, is like, who the fuck are you and why are you near me? Go away. And then he got so frustrated, he just had to get into a fits of smashing. (laughs) He just ran right home and just started smashing and smashing. Smashing his toy collection. Yeah. Beetlejuice toys are gone. The Batman Returns figures are gone. The original Power Rangers on card. Oh, those are worth money. That's woo. Sorry, I saw in the chat and my video store uh, got got excited. <laughs> Should I mention this I, again? Yeah, uh, apparently absolutely. this is apparently this is easily Googleable. Apparently, the heel wife heel wife has a porn hub, and that apparently turned her, her baby face on on the show. I don't know. This is very. I'm I'm disturbed for Tom that anyone thinks that, that he's part of this world. <laughs> yes, he could probably kick Grimm's ass. Oh, oh, I'm certain. Uh, yeah, of course. 
he's the he's the strongest man on Long Island. He's entering strongman nationals. And when I I was like impressed, he's like, it's really world strongmans that's impressive. And I'm like, Tom, you're <laughs> entering national strongman. You got to beat the U.S. before you can beat the world, man. You got to it's you got to you got to conquer every section. You know, he's right. He's going to take the globe. He's Rocky, like, that's the never, real major leagues. Rocky never gets to Drago if he doesn't clear that bar of Apollo Creed and Clubber Lang first. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, either way, when I read that, and people are coming up to Tom, that just like tickled me so much. They're like, "You're that alcoholic that ruined his basement," and he's he's not. And somebody's like, "You big time in me, Mister <laughs> Mister Basement Construction." <laughs> Look, what, are, what, what are you looking for? You look, oh no, Grim's t- no no. Oh, you mean Grim's stinkhole? Because he he always puts it in. That's what he does. She's got a Pornhub, but yeah yeah, we have it on VHS. We got it here. Come on. Uh, By the way, the, the biggest customer of that VHS porn rental store, Vince McMahon. Of course, he still likes his porn on non be analog, blurry. Yeah. Uh, he has a he has a CRT TV in his office that uh, with has the VCR attached like the ones people had in college back in the nineties, and then uh, he puts the tapes in and and that's how he masturbates. That's actually uh, the the he, well, he calls his secretary in and then he starts masturbating. Of course. Yeah, Black was able to resurrect XPW because Vince made a particularly large order. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, oh, actually, I got the money to run the show now. That's awesome. Well, actually, a lot of the money for XPW came from him not rewinding the tapes before he returned them. Ah, <laughs> oh, you got me again, Black. I'll pay the five dollar fee. <laughs> Let's see, five that's just like times one hundred thousand. rich guy thing tapes. where he's like, "I'll pay somebody to re- to rewind these tapes for me. I don't have the time." And no, and that and that's definitely the thing. He's like, "Wait, you say how many tapes didn't get rewinded?" Oh my God, Johnny! Johnny, <laughs> you had one job. We took all your other jobs away. This was the last one. That's actually Jimmy Lloyd's job with XPW. Is he's sitting there with like three VHS rewinders just at a time? <sighs> oh, fuck. Um, but so I guess we should we should talk about this, right, guys? Let's talk the main event. Yeah. We should get there. Or Grim. <laughs> no, I think we've <laughs> I think we've squeezed all we can out of Grim, as did apparently his ex-wife. Um so it seems <laughs> I, we, Gary, you and I talked a few weeks ago after the LA show about how it feels like GCW probably needed to move on from Gage's champion soon. I don't think either of us expected it to be this soon. And this match, I don't, yeah. I don't think at the time, but based off of, I don't think it was last weekend, but maybe two weekends ago, um, the show, Gage came out. He wasn't, he, I don't think he had a match that night, but then he ended up having a back and forth with Masha and like security had to come out and she's beating the shit out of all of security. Mm-hmm. Gage is really talking shit on her in a way that almost felt like a Gage heel turn. Like, just from the way he's talking to a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's and kind of part of his character, though, right? Is that he just talks to everyone the same way, which is the way an ex-con would talk to people. But he, so Akira comes out and like clears Masha from the ring. And as they're leaving, Gage is like, good, good, Akira, get your bitch in the back. And like, mm-hmm. there was like a moment of that where it was like, ooh, she might get him. Like, yeah. Because it just, it, it felt like for him to be that disrespectful to a female opponent, he didn't feel like the good guy. Now, and it is felt this, like, is this Garrett saying that there's a little part of Garrett that said, I want Nick Gage to lose? Maybe did that happen? I don't know if I would have chosen her, but also she does like really represent GCW well. Like she's willing to do death matches. Like yep. we've seen her do death matches. She's great. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I do like the idea of having a female world champ in GCW. I think that's cool. I think and that like, makes you know, sense. Can... And now's a good time. Like I would have said, she, and she could have been the person. I I didn't think she was ready yet. Like right in March of 2023. If you had told me a year from now she was going to do that, I would have been like, oh, I could see that. But if you said in March, and and I'll see even more than that after the Cardona promo and then the match with Homicide, to me, it really seemed like they had laid the groundwork for, like, I would have put written a check of, like, Matt Cardona is going to take the world title from Nick Gage at some point in the next 45 to 60 days. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of my pick for it, was that if you if you give the belt back to Cardona and then someone gets to be the conquering hero, not John Moxley, but over Cardona. Because I, I do wonder, so the match, so the match itself was fine right mm-hmm. it wasn't it was pr- pretty much a nick gage match post comeback here right i don't think it was far below or far above and it wasn't too long it wasn't like the bailey match it wasn't 35 minutes mm-hmm. um but it definitely didn't seem to like build to a fever pitch in the way that i think you would have wanted it was this. third it was the, they got the third gear and they never really seemed like they got above that i i don't know to me it once again there was a point in the match where it did take off a little bit and where once again like he felt very heelish and mm-hmm. that was the moment he had her in front of her parents who like mm. her parents did not sell that their daughter was being beaten up in front of them and i think they could have helped out a little bit <laughs> they looked well, like they, they were having too much fun because they had just gotten a little action in the bathroom during the intermission <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> they still were in the refractory period but if you look away from her mom smiling and Nick Gage is talking shit to both of her parents, punching her in the face, like racked her on the, the guardrail, like pretty fucking hard. And then when she started getting the comeback from that moment, I thought it felt pretty good. Like, I guess I already knew, I didn't know how the finish was going to work out, I guess. Um, Cause you didn't really say that in the, the text, but I don't know from that moment. I was like, okay, yeah, this, this makes sense. Like he is, he underestimated her and he was just like, he spent too much time, like kind of being a dick in the match. And yeah, I, yeah, I, well, I, and, kind of gave it up. And that's why, even though I wouldn't have thought Masha was there yet, I, that's the thing that annoys me is that, like, if you're going to do it right, you're going to make this decision. Masha's going to be our world champion. She's our future. I'm a hundred percent behind that. But then like, let like channel that what you were just talking about Garrett like and let her have the big win and like yeah she gets the big win but like they have like uh, uh what's his name uh, the little like Christian 
Blake Christian, you have Akira, which to me makes the whole thing feel a little bit like B, B level, where it's like Blake Christian's not a main event guy, right? So having him run interference just kind of brings the whole thing down. Masha's win isn't totally clean. And I even have now this existential dread that like, you know, Chris, what you were talking about, where if you move the title to Cardona, A, it's a big win for Cardona. His stock goes up. Whoever beats Cardona becomes the conquering hero. You get to make multiple people. Whereas this, uh, I'm a little worried. Like, where where do they go with this? Did you really make Masha as much as you could have? And I'm, I have zero interest in seeing Masha versus Blake Ish- Christian for the world title. And I think we're clearly going to be getting that in the very near future. And I have a little bit of terror of Blake Christian world champion, which is definitely something I don't want to, I don't want to buy. So I do feel like I would have gone harder in on Masha, harder on a Nick Gage. Maybe you could still do some level of interference if you need to keep some Nick Gage strong for, for something that they want to do later. Cause Nick Gage, you know, is still a big name in the GCW world. But I think he could have done that in a better way and then really earned that big celebration afterwards, I think, a little bit more. Although I will say it did add to the drama because as a viewer, until that happens, and even despite what you said, Garrett, I didn't think Masha had any chance at winning. And then when she gets that, she initially gets into the choke. Like, I remember I was like um heating leftovers and like I literally like the microwaves beeping and my wife's like the microwaves beeping. I'm like, stop. We're right now, like, she's got him. This could actually happen. So, like, it did ratchet up the drama, but not not in a way. It was more drama of who's going to be champion than, like, well-earned dramatic tension in a wrestling match to me. Yeah, I actually thought, I mean, legitimately, I, I sort of missed the finish in the sense that Gage started hulking up, and I kind of turned to say something to Tom about something, and I was like, oh, the, and, and then I heard the bell ring, and I was like, What? <laughs> He gave up because <laughs> it did not look like he was about to give up or pass out. He didn't give up. Yeah. And it, and I um, thought they actually blew. I thought they blew the spot because I thought I heard like a bell ring way earlier when she had the hold on. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's part of what it was. I, you know. So uh, and, and the announcers were talking about that a little bit where the like, Nick Gage never gave up and they were kind of teasing on the broadcast. I don't know if you got this, Garrett, from watching. It almost seemed like they were teasing. Oh, this match must continue kind of thing like Nick Gage never gave up like they even seem to set it up as maybe it wasn't an actual legitimate win I mean if you want to say that because there was fuckery but he didn't play that up at all at the end he came out and like he, put Masha he didn't he didn't but the announcers did so the announcers when he goes to get the microphone the, the announcers are like he never tapped out he never gave up I bet like which would be weird if the announcers didn't know where they were going with it but well, I mean, does... if they want to have an actual deathmatch rematch with the two of them, where there can't, like in Jersey, in LA, somewhere where there can be glass and fuckery. Like... Yeah. Well, that to me, though, is part of the decision making process here is you put Masha over in New York in a match with Gage where you can't, because again, because the New York Commission, they couldn't do a deathmatch. But it's 2023 gauge, right? If if you've done a death match, you probably could have ratcheted up the intensity and drama, I would say significantly higher. So to me, that was maybe not the best choice either. Of Again, you had a great crowd in New York. I, I, I'm not going to argue against seeing a, the title change, but I do wonder if that retrospectively, maybe, it, it, maybe you should have just done it in Atlantic City or done it at the collective or... I don't know. I mean, and, and by the way, yeah. this is now two title changes in a row that have been just complete fuckery. 
I, I don't know. I think we're coming up on their biggest show of the year. Right. Well, I mean, spring break is typically the biggest show of the year, at least. Like, mm-hmm. maybe they don't want Gage main eventing that, you know? Like, maybe they just were, they had to do it somewhere. Why not put her over in her hometown? I, I, and again, my whole thing did. is, my whole thing is not, let's don't put her over. It's just, I don't know why you don't put her over stronger. Right. And maybe it is because they do want to do the rematch. And then this way they kind of pop two different reactions where it's like you get one of just the sheer shock of Masha going over. And then you get the really clean, strong putting her over, which admittedly, by my own words, I think would write the ship. But I am just worried that they've, you know, I think already we're at a point where the tag division GCW is actually way more exciting and which I never would have thought would be possible like two years ago. Um, and now it just feels like if Masha Slamovich and Blake Christian is the world title match at spring break, that shouldn't be the main event. It just shouldn't be. There's no way that's going to be one of the top three biggest matches on that card. I guess the question, though, would be what else would be? And I think that comes to a little bit of where we're at with GCW right now. It feels, to, again, to me, very much like the later period ECW in the sense that Again, a show like last Friday night, great show, had a great time. Everyone worked hard. Nothing was bad. At the same time, nothing was built in a way that you're like, wow, like this is an emotional moment right now. Even a title change, I'd say, in a lot of ways. Um, And I don't know what they're going to get. I mean, there's not even, there are two weeks weeks from spring break, and I don't even know if there's an angle for any of these matches. They have a show tonight in Canada. I mean, I assume they'll do something there. But again, it really feels like they've basically just sold me on um, Kota Ibushi's going to show up, which, again, I'm very excited for. That will be fun. I'm I'm interested in those matches. But, you know, what is going to drive GCW forward over the next year or so? I don't again, maybe maybe they think Masha's the person they're going to build around her. We'll see. Um, We've been talking about that for months, though, like who's left like who can they and they kind of did this to themselves where like he beat everybody like Hmm. he shouldn't have beaten speedball like regardless of what facts thinks about speedball like that match nick gage feasibly should not have won like he he was what what i think they need to do right And, and the other thing that we've been talking about for months is that there's just two different gcws right so if you go like Speedball is a great representative of one side of GCW, which I think is like the Tony Deppen Willie Mac match, right? So they have these really good technical matches, which is really good old school pro wrestling that's similar to what we got out of Ring of Honor for many, many, many years. Then they have the more hardcore deathmatchy style. And I think that the problem is there's just not enough overlap between the two. And I think that that's how you do it is what they need to do. And maybe it's Speedball, because again, he's a name, he's got some wins. I'm pretty sure I could beat him in a fight, but whatever. Um, Like, I I can't argue with the business of Mike Bailey relative to that. So I think you just need to merge those things because, like, if Mike Bailey goes against Masha, what kind of match? Are they going to have a death match? Are they going to have a technical match? And it just, it feels like just completely different divisions. And I just think that they have to find, they have to bridge that. And I think by bridging that, you also then open up way more possibilities. Right, as opposed to Nick Gage as world champion, it's a death match, right? 
Like, well, at this stage it is, right? At this stage, especially, it's a death match. And if it's not, at a death what match, stage was it not a death match, right? Like, the, Nick Gage was never wrestling good technical matches. Ever. Yeah, but no, but I, I, I would argue that during his last reign, the, the, the one that Mox ended, uh-huh. I think he was having interesting matches with those technical guys in terms of having an interesting style clash. I don't think he was there anymore, right? I think that's mm-hmm. what's lost is that it used to be bridge Gage could be kind of the bridge. <sighs> And now I don't think he's, well, I'm not sure what he is at all anymore from a like wrestling perspective, except it's again, maybe if you just put him in a death match against someone, it would be fun. And people would chant for Nick Gage, maybe pizza I mean, cutters. And yeah. Hopefully after this, they should just move Nick Gage into like that undertaker role of like, he's in his own parallel yes. universe. He, him showing up as a spectacle and you like to pop, but he's not in the title scene. He's not having like long running feuds with, with different people. Like, you know, maybe he'll have, one or two big matches that they'll like with, with GCW veterans that they'll kind of play up over promos, but like just kind of leave him out of the title scene. I think that you have to do that. Um, obviously Mox was awesome at the time, but, but that's hurt them. Right. Because it's like, well, where do you go from that? So I think having more distance, but I do feel like there's a lot of interesting guys and girls that there's a lot of interesting directions they need to go. I think that they just have to stop being two different GCWs. And I think that honestly, ECW had that to a much lesser degree, but they had that too, right? Where you'd have that like Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko match on the same card as, you know, nineties hardcore, which was like the death closest thing to death match of its day. And they just felt like two completely different worlds. Right. Well, and I think kind of the matches we've seen Masha have like an impact. I, I do think she's a good bridge where she can have she that is. match against Mike. She is. And, it, you know, we can still get a, a title shot for Sawyer Wreck where mm-hmm. we can have like an awesome death match between those two. But then just, I don't know. I think it's, I think if we let this play out, it could work. I'm hoping they have a big picture for this. You know, what, this could be, you know like, what could be a fun future title match is because it does seem like, again, Cardona was pretty blatant, like, a Cardona title shots coming again. It seemed like it was building for gauge, but like maybe he can, as a heel that's in the, like, he can be very sexist, like him building up to a promo with her. Masha could actually be really fun. Um, and then also you could have a three way, right. Where it's Masha has to overcome the odds of like Masha versus Zack Ryder versus uh, Steph Delander, where it's like <laughs> kind of a two on one, but then maybe both women can just beat the shit out of Cardona. You know, I just called him Zack Ryder. But then she's also got Akira on her side too, which could, you know, you can, there can be builds with tag teams and, you know, mm-hmm. there's, I, I don't know, uh, not long ago, I think it was last week on Twitter. Um, fuck, why can't I think of his name? Owner of GCW. Lauderdale. Lauderdale, Lauderdale said that like more storylines are coming. Like that he... He said that GCW is about to have more storylines. And I saw Matt Cardona post like, what do I got? And he's like, I know you're used to hearing this, but we don't have anything for you right now. What he actually posted was, he goes, guys, guys, I found this video store in Brooklyn. I rented a bunch of tapes. I have so many ideas now. The storytelling. I got it. It's not just about the action. It's not just about the big finish. It's about the story. And that's why Jimmy Lloyd... You're going to become a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> because be you're so an lucky. actor, Jimmy. I do wonder. Uh, I, I do. Uh, I, I can see and imagine. Um, could we be going towards Akira and Masha? Re- just redoing the Kirk's angle from ICW. 
Shit. <laughs> You're not wrong. That, yeah. I think the other thing, too, is, that, like, what do we have any idea, like, what is Masha's, like, status, like, contractually, too? Because that's obviously the big thing hanging over GCW. And that's one thing that Nick Gage has. It's like, Nick Gage is not signing with AEW or WWE, right? Whereas, like, Masha could? Like, I don't know if she's, like, and legally. And is already MLW, right? Like, he's already right. signed them. Yeah. MLW I, might I, as well be witness protection, though, right? I mean, <laughs> you really only care about AEW and WWE and, and New Japan. Those are the only ones that are actually going to take somebody away. If she's signed with anything right now, it's it's Impact, which I think obviously would allow her to keep working. Yeah. Well, no, no, and I'm I'm saying more for the future, right? Mm, like, like right. could Masha have a good title ring? Because, like, again, like if they invest in Masha, they can absolutely like completely fix a lot of the things we're talking about. And and I don't you know, think like she's maybe the- we. Maybe we get into an area of GCW where we see shorter title reigns, because I think since we've all started watching GCW, it's been very fucking long title reigns. Like you get a year of Ricky Shane Page, you get a year of John Moxley, you get a year of Nick Gage. Like it just it it wasn't always fun. Like there were some of those matches that were like very much throwaway. That yeah, because I felt think like it mattered. Well, especially because if you make those long reigns and like those important reigns then like a lot of the matches are very transparently what well, there's no way this person's losing although I, I probably would have said that about masha versus nick gage on friday um so that's an interesting thing that like for at least the first several title defenses for masha like i don't know i don't know how much they're actually invested in her as world champion so like that had some interesting drama but i don't i don't know that length of title reigns really has anything to do with quality um, but if it ratchets up the drama, then I'm all for it. I wouldn't want it to go like all the way to the way of the tag titles. As much as I love the tag division, it's really hard to keep track of who the tag champions are at any given time because they're just all over the place. I'm I am curious to see who they end up having for spring break for the tag champs. I mean, Masiscos uh, actually have won and then lost the titles again during this podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love them. I thought their match with Sawyer them. and Rena was fucking awesome. I thought it was I wish that one had really... gone longer too. Yeah, and I wish it had gotten bloody. I think that that was that was the one that I think that started getting me like a little of like because that was another one that I had super high expectations for. And maybe I'm I'm wrong for that, but like that was the first one where I'm like, man, I I really wanted blood in that, and I wanted it to go longer. Not that it was you short got, like, particularly. You got the four people who are most willing to bleed on the entire card exactly. just doing very clean wrestling um i don't know it wasn't like you said nothing was bad it was i think if you especially if you were there you absolutely had a fine time out i had a great time i uh hopped on the train was home within well it was probably 20 minutes i did stop at the taco bell on the way home i was kind of hungry it was kind of late again the show went until like 20 to midnight um and then actually because the basketball had run so long i realized that as i sat down to eat my crunchwrap supreme and doritos loco taco that rampage was still on so i watched brody king (laughs) against daniel garcia live yeah i mean i feel like should we talk about you know jericho against against kenny in winnipeg brody king looked like the biggest star hangman page and the elite might be getting back together that all happened too this week I, i think we should discuss that but by the way before we do 
The next GCW show in the tri-state area is actually a three-day music festival in Atlantic City. The Bamboozle, you get to see Limp Bizkit, Papa Roach? No, they're not even there. I looked at the lineup, and and there was no one of such high caliber as those two that I saw. At Bamboozle? Um, Absolutely there is. Bamboozle 2023? Yeah. Uh, oh, I know. I see. Yeah, Limp. Yeah, Limp Biscuits in there. Oh, they they just didn't. They just didn't put the top headliners' names on top. Yeah, it's oh, alphabetical. It's Papa oh, Roach, it? a boogie with the hoodie. Rick Trippy Ross. Red. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just highlighted it. So I think I'm gonna probably be out of town for that one. But that's <laughs> and wrestling at music festivals is a nice, fun diversion, but tends not to be very good wrestling. I do wonder, like, but they they were promoting that on like their upcoming shows, that even for like the Fight TV. So, like, I guess you're going to be able to watch those on Fight TV. Well, well, which Veda Scott, who I I meant to mention, I absolutely fucking love her on commentary. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I she's one of my favorite people to listen to right now. But two weeks ago, when they meant when they're reading through the list and they got to Bamboozle. She's like, what the fuck is Bamboozle? And like, and you hear like clicking. So she's like, I looked it up. It's a music festival. Papa Roach is there. <laughs> uh, well, if you're around facts, I'll, you know, maybe, uh, as of, maybe convince me into this. As of now, I'm going to be uh, probably near Garrett's uh, neck of the woods that weekend. But uh, if, if that does not happen, obviously I will be going to Bamboozle. Well, am I, I mean, seeing you then? For the wrestling. What was that? Does that mean I'm seeing you? Or maybe you just take my place, right? Like me and my wife will be gone. You can just stay at my place and go to Bamboozle. <laughs> You'll have a free you place. To houses. You can feed my cats. Feed my cats. Yeah, we're good. Actually, that could work. We just swap cats. <laughs> we don't. Sw- you guys cat sit each other's cats. <laughs> while, uh, while you watch uh, Limp Biscuit and GCW... Uh, and I just do some organized play in the deep south, deeper south. <laughs> I'm actually going down to northern Alabama that weekend. Is would be. Are you going to Buck Snort? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to, to Buck Snort to, to find out how the uh, reconstruction really went. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah but... Brody Brody King. Like I would buy stock right now in Brody King, future uh, AEW World Champion. I would buy that stock. Yeah. Well, I think we, I mean, I mean, you and I have been riding, I've been riding the Brody train really going back to Villain Enterprises. I just thought. But it's clear Tony Khan and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are riding because this is now the second match with, with House of Black and the Elite. We have no idea what EVP means at this point, but presumably it's a non-zero. They have a little bit more sway than the other guys. And obviously Tony Khan's booking it. And this is now, again. He looks like a goddamn star in these main event matches and main event level matches. And then apparently he just like wrestles like 25 minutes and looks like a star towels down and then goes right back out for a match in rampage. Um, very so, fun host on what not to. I bought a and, pin from him on Thursday. And he definitely love- is. He's definitely an organized play guy. I've seen him at multiple comic con type uh, endeavors as a fan, not there just to do signings. Also, I, again, I, I come back to this. I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but this is a guy who wrestled at Madison Square Garden and then performed at our friend's The Nobody's Drag Show 
right after in 2019. Um, oh, if, yeah. Garrett, if he, if he comes to Nashville, he might like go, do AEW, go do a drag show, and then just and then just punch out some politicians. Like this is a hero we can all get behind in 2023. This is what we want America to be, mm-hmm. right? This is he should be president. Is he American? Well, you, yeah, I think he's American. He he's, he's from California. He's, he might be Canadian or something. Okay, yeah. Okay. So you president. guys were saying that you got into him with like uh, with Villain Enterprises. Was that I, him, Marty, and PCO? And Flip, kind of, sort of. Later, it was later Flip, but um, yeah. But the key was because the key was that when that was right after the Elite left ROH, and I I kind of didn't watch ROH for a bunch of months, and then I went back. And I went watch the first like six man that, that they did together. And I was like, oh shit, this is awesome. Um, and then I just binged all of them. And all of the the PCO um Brody King against the Briscoes matches were insane. Like yeah. fucking insane. And just the two of those guys like were just so good together. And I actually always thought, like, I was really excited for Brody to be a tag team with like Malachi Black or something. Cause I was he's such a great tag wrestler. He's so good at the pacing and the timing of using his size and, and using his athleticism but it seems now again i don't know maybe he should just as facts maybe he'd well, just be ew champion i don't know yeah like well and i think like with that too it was like and this sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth in march of 2023 but it was like when the elite leave it's like well i guess marty Skrull's my guy now you know and and i guess he's the best guy in ring of honor now and oh pco's with him like that's the two best guys of ring of honor are together Whoever this third guy in, like, I guess he's he's fine. And then, like, it quickly became, like, PCO definitely showed, and, like, even during his world title reign, like, he needed to be in a tag team, right? Like, his, his singles matches weren't really pulling their weight. And those tag matches were just so good. And it really quickly became, even before um, Marty Skrull just disappeared from the historical records. It really became Brody King was the guy that was most exciting. And even like on the YouTube shows where they'd go out for steaks and stuff like that. um, (laughs) That was always fun. So like, yeah, I've been super into Brody King, but like Brody King was always the guy that felt like big time tag team in AEW or WWE potentially felt like the potential, but that felt like kind of what his ceiling was going to be. And I think that that ceiling has now just been destroyed and mm-hmm. like future world champion seems inevitable to me. I mean, maybe not in the next year or something, but like it's not crazy. Yeah, and that was I, I thought the match was great. The nine man match was really really good, and uh, the Garcia match was a little bit less good. But just I, I, he and Garcia, I think they'd be really good. But I think Garcia's character right now is in kind of a weird place. Well, they, again, the weird they, and they were sports entertainer guy. And they were both in that match, right? So that does have, like, that is a factor of, like, they were both in the main event of one show and then immediately had, like, an hour to take a quick shower and do the main event of the other show. Right. In the same building with the same fans, like, an hour later. Fair. Um, And the other thing that was really interesting at the end of that was they teased. So, and Gary, so basically what happens, because I know you may miss a little bit of this, the at the end, Blackpool Combat Club and Hangman come out because they've been brawling. And they're brawling into the ring and, and Hangman's getting the shit kicked out of him. And then Kenny and the Bucks see this and like Hangman's kind of like squared up. He's like this. And then the three of them come up from behind and Blackpool Combat Cubs like, okay, we're going to we're going to back off. Hangman turns and that's where we cut the episode. 
is Ooh. the three of them is the four of them looking at each other in the same ring for the first time in a very very long time together. And from reports from the arena, though, like that didn't go anywhere. Like it just kind of ended. Like the heels ran back. Just everyone kind of scattered. But it's it's tantalizing for sure. Yeah, I might even watch thirty seconds of being the elite this week just to see what they try to do with that. <laughs> well, let's let's not get crazy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Um, it's interesting. I, again, I think one of the things I always loved about like BTE sort of pre AEW was they would slow burn angles and stuff there, and they could do different things. Obviously, it's lost a lot of its impact now that it has to also tie into a national television show. Um, but it is there is an interesting thing here of again pulling through this story that's been going on for. I mean, three years now, essentially, about mm-hmm. Hangman's journey. And um, I, I think I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going with this. Um, it's potentially, and potentially it's a place where they could get back to, I think, us being a little bit, at least me, I'll say for myself, more invested in AEW from an emotional, like, storytelling perspective as well, opposed to just a good match. And that's the one thing that the EVP power seems to grant, right? At the very least, is that you have some more say in how your own shit is booked. You know, and and I count Jericho as an EVP, whether he is by title or not. Um, And it does seem like that's something that these guys have shown is that they're, they are dedicated to this long-term storytelling, particularly in this, just the grand saga of the elite. Right. Um, And this feels like the next chapter and hey, I'm not gonna lie. If I wouldn't be fantasy booking Kodobushi's in the U.S., uh, could could they start doing a like let's bury all hatchets and uh, you know something like that, which could be awesome, even if it is in a side universe. Although the weird thing is that like I think we all agreed after the pay per view, it, it feels like Hangman's got to get the next shot at MJF. So then it's it's like I, it's a good problem to have that they have too many different interesting directions for Hangman um and the and the box and kenny so but it'd be it's going to be interesting but then it was just a solid good show aew is always week after week the show is always really good even when you're not super excited for anything in particular like i do feel like aew just consistently kind of over delivers it can drag at times but like there's always a really solid hour of aew every week even if there's not always three good hours of aew every week yeah Carney, Mid Carter, Jeff Jarrett still going. And, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Cause here's, I think you, cause you, I kind of landed on facts, not to over, overly fantasy book, but the idea that you could do the, the Bucks against Hangman and a mystery partner and that mystery partner could be a Bushi would yeah. be pretty fucking wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, but spe- speaking of, uh, of where a Bushi came from. Um, I should mention that as we record this, but when you hear this, the, the New Japan Cup finals will have happened. Um, but I can confirm the results of the brackets because the final has not happened as we're recording this. But it does not matter because no one's pick for winner is still in at this point. Um, and uh, well, did, did you for sure first you explain what we did with Will Ospreay? Because I think as of the last update, the two none of us we were all already out on the winner. But some listeners had Will Ospreay, and they were the ones in the running to win the whole thing. So what did we do with Will Ospreay getting you know, pulled from the tournament? That's a good point. So Ospreay gets pulled because he got injured in the match with Mark Davis. Mark Davis took his spot, and so he took Ospreay's spot for those picks. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he ran into the buzzsaw that is um, New Sonata. 
Um, new Sonata is like new Coke in that it's um it's basically just old Sonata, but they did put he did change his hair and he's got new friends now. So um I'm I'm at least willing to give give a try to this. If for those who didn't miss it, um Sonata beat Naito in the tournament, and then at the end of the match was just like, Hey, um, I'm not gonna be in LIJ anymore, guys. I'm with Taichi and his friends. We're no longer, and this is, I, I think, my favorite thing. They're no longer just four guys. They are just five guys. Um, which they make a great you, burger. I was going to say, you know, <laughs> like, the burger chain has to, the burger chain is going to be a sponsor on New Japan Strong now. It's called Just Five Guys Main Eventing, just eating delicious which, hamburgers. Which and could be fries. controversial, because there there is a Shake Shack right there in the Tokyo Dome, which Cork and mm. Hall is in Tokyo Dome City, right? So it's right there. That might get them into some trouble, but uh, we'll see. But the sponsor dollars facts are just too appealing. Mm. Um, but Sonata also did. He got he he dyed his hair back to dark, shaved his beard, and took off the sides. So he is Hated very different now. He's very different now. He's got to stop using Skull End. That's the other thing he's got to change. Well, he did. He's added like a a D no 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 e not add. You have to adding is good. You also need to remove that move from your arsenal completely. <laughs> I agree. Well, just don't bury the lead here. Did, am I in last? Uh, which of us is in last? Well, I, I, let's um let's break this down here. Um, so so facts. Mm-hmm. You are in third. You came in third at the end. And I, I've now clinched third. Yes, nothing else could happen that would change your standing as third okay. place in our bracket tournament with um with 32 points. Sorry, sorry, with 25 points. And this is um, third third out of the three of us or third, third out, out of five? Third, third out, out of the five. five. The other two we had our our, our Canadian pals Matt and Lowell. Great week for them because apparently AEW is just going to be in Canada all summer. Um, they're going to go on. <laughs> Matt and Lowell are going on tour with them like the Grateful Dead. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. It sounds. Um, so uh, Lowell comes in second. Matt had actually been in um, in first for much of the the bracket, but a couple of tough breaks there. He comes in um, fourth. Um, and that leaves Garrett in fifth. Ooh. And uh Big Papa Miggs wins it. I in number number one. Uh it's <laughs> I believed in David Finley for some goddamn reason. And <laughs> uh, he was my number two pick to win. I had him in the finals, right? I think. You I, had him in the finals. That's why actually you made it to uh I, I actually had third. him in my original draft, I had him winning the whole thing, and then I, I changed it. And now it sounds like now that we know how this is booked, it does feel like he is going to probably win the whole thing. I think Sonata's our, I think Sonata's our winner. Um, it's my, I was, my best. I again. was terrified. Cause when you said I finished in third, I figured David Finley probably is what got me there. And I was positive that you guys were going to be fourth and fifth. And I was kind of okay with that because then at least all of us would have to do the punishment together. But I much more like this with you, Chris, determining the punishment that only Garrett has to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you really, you sold that well where I thought like, Oh, am I, is it all three? Nope. It's just Papa M gets to give Garrett a spanking. And here's, here's what I say we do with my spanking. Well, I wait first though, we hold it till next week. Okay. 
I think we should hold it till next week. I let's let let's we should leave that on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. But I do want to know, Chris, do you already know what what it's going to be, or are you going to think about it? Because I just want to know if I have a week to petition for things or not. You t- you have time. I have some options here. I've been discussing this with an expert. Um, okay. I I I sent uh I sent out I called up the 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 bat signal and I said um I sent a text that reads, reads the following It looks like I'm going to win this NJ Cup bracket and get to choose something for Garrett to watch Anything from childhood that Garrett hates as much as you hate Goldberg <laughs> <laughs> And I got a response from Derek that said I'll try to think of something cruel and we we said the cap was what four hours, five hours, five yeah. hours, five hours because that's like the that's like a, a night of WrestleMania, right? That's the longest possible single <laughs> unit of wrestling. We can't make you watch the full uh, marathon again of of GCW during pandemic. Yeah, Derek and I have been d- d- discussed it. Um, one suggestion that Derek made that I'm I'm not going to use. Um, he asked, has has Garrett seen One Night in China? <laughs> And while that is, while that is, <laughs> while that is a VHS tape at the back of yeah. the door, um, it's not one you've you've ex- experienced. I assume. I have. I have not. Um, I feel like that would be pretty morbid. Like more morbid than be. watching some it somebody die in the ring. Like somebody just with mental health issues. Yeah, I, I feel like watching it when she was still alive would have been. Um, weird but yeah now it would that definitely would carry a little bit of an extra so like i think it really chris it boils down to you of like how much do you want to imperil garrett's actual mental health because i was also thinking about that like because garrett you were the one actually talking about like making people watch things on repeat and then that's what's Mm -hmm. got me to being like you could really you know we could do something where where five hours could be like somebody in like a government program that's never the same again I do have one pitch. I do have one thought on how to use the four hours that um, I I think could could work. It does make use of the concept of repeating something. Um, I haven't decided if that's the one I'm going to use yet or not. I, I, I just don't know. Um, it's hard. It's very difficult to think about what our options. There's so many options in professional wrestling. Uh, well, part of the difficulty, Garrett, is that you do like a lot of stuff that many people would consider bad. <laughs> mm, yeah that's you run into a wall there you could just, here's the thing you could give me something really good that i just find boring <laughs> and i have to watch one really nice match on repeat for <laughs> fuck all right well listeners if you have any suggestions on what my punishment should be reach out to chris and facts hit them with your ideas uh all i'm gonna say is do your worst. I'm excited to see what this punishment maybe, is maybe, because you can't break me. Maybe we can get hashtag predetermined punishment going. If you got something, just tweet it. You can tweet it at us. You can tweet it at the show, but just go hashtag predetermined punishment. Then the MIGs will know that that's where he's looking for, for listener advice, particularly if you want Garrett to see it coming, because I think this is something we now have a week that, that we're going to be renting space in his head listeners. Mm. So while Chris can only choose one punishment, that doesn't mean that Garrett shouldn't have seven sleepless nights thinking about what that punishment might be. Fuck. 
Well, <laughs> I hate that. I really liked when it was going to be all three of us, but uh, now that it's just me, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think whenever we do it, you have to let us know when you do it. And we might just do like check-ins as kind of like mental health checks. Like yeah, I'll check yeah. in for 15 minutes. And Chris will check in. Maybe maybe we'll see if Derek can check in. Um, we can record a little audio as I watch whatever we're watching. We get you a little one of those medical alert bracelets just in case. <laughs> in case grandpa falls down, I can call. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening this week. At Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, at Chris Miggs, at Gartet, at Jimmy, Jimmy Lloyd's IMDb page. Jimmy, Jimmy Facts, Facts. Jimmy Facts, which is Jimmy Lloyd's fax machine, which goes to the porn store, which is then what they scan and put up to his IMDb page. Because all of his credits from this point forward are going to be available in that VHS store. I feel confident. Yeah. Well, be kind, rewind. <laughs> Hit our goddamn music. <laughs>